0: Chishon, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Deport District in New York City. This is KJZ on ESPN Radio, ESPN 2, ESPN News a little bit later on as well. Bob Weschusen, Dan Graziano. Sitting in for the guys on a Memorial Day Monday presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're going to start right off with the straight talk. And Dan, first of all, happy Memorial Day. It is good to see you, but it's not a happy Memorial Day again In the NBA, right? Like, I was looking for... I sat down in front of the TV yesterday at 10 of 1, and I started watching NBA, right? Yes. And I wanted to talk today about Trey Young Uh and how amazing he was and how the Knicks are going to go back home trying to find answers and Julius Randle. And then I watched, you know, Chris Paul make an amazing comeback from a shoulder injury and AD and that series flips. Then I watched the KD, James Harden, Kyrie show... And I'm thinking we're going to come in this morning,
1: talk a little basketball, and
0: talk about the games, yeah. and talk about the stars, yeah. and talk about the performances of these great players. And again, and it's some clown, of, yeah. Instead of talking about Russell Westbrook dumping popcorn on someone or Trey yeah. Young getting spit on, now we have to talk about a guy throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. Here we are again. I mean,
1: I'm sitting here listening to this whole thing last week, and I'm like what's the other side of this debate right like everybody's saying the same kind of stuff like it's it's outrage right it can't happen can't happen can't happen but the fact that it continues to happen is i I think something needs to change in the arena in terms of sort of the other fans right like i understand the concept of like oh it's one bad apple there are thousands of people that didn't throw a bottle that's great but i think like people have to start holding each other accountable here like like who's this guy sitting next to that you know, that, that he that he was in the mood to throw a bottle. Like I, I think I think you have to you have to create an atmosphere in the arena where this is stupid and unacceptable. It can't just be about the league coming down on it after the fact i mean I, I, the, the environment just has to change in these arenas there's too much there's too much anger there's too much you know uh, what what did Kyrie say entitlement right about you bought yeah. you buy your ticket and you think it gives you the right to do whatever you want i mean it, it, it's ridiculous
0: well if this is the straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless maybe we should as the jumping off point here exactly yeah. from kind of the horse's mouth what Kyrie irving thinks about what happened last night. Here was Kyrie's response after having a water bottle thrown at him by a fan last night in Boston.
2: Underlying racism and just treating people like they're in a human zoo, you know, throwing stuff at people, saying things. You know, there's a certain point where it just gets to be too much. So, you know, I I called it out. I just wanted to keep it strictly basketball, and then you just see that people just feel very entitled out here. You know, they pay for the tickets, great. I'm I'm grateful that they're coming in to watch a great performance, but it's just... You know, we're not at the theater. We're not throwing tomatoes and, and other random stuff at the people that are performing. You know, it's just, it's too
0: much. It is too much. And it seems like there is now an incident to talk about every day rather than talking about these games and these players.
1: Yeah, and, and if people are worried about where it's headed, right? Like, I'm not talking about something bad happening. When, you, you put your faith in the security at the arena. Nothing, you hope nothing terrible happens injury-wise to a player as a result of this. But we saw last year NBA players band together and decide not to play because they felt like not enough was being done about the social justice issues in the country. Do you think if these guys get together and say we don't feel safe at these games that it's completely out of the question that they would – Hey, we're not going to play. Like, if we don't, if we don't feel like the league is doing enough, if we don't feel like the fans are conducting themselves in a certain way, we won't play these playoff games. We, we there's precedent for this. So, I think if, if it continues to happen, I think you're looking at a situation where you could see players take action on their own behalf because this is a group of players that we've already seen do
0: that. Yeah, I'm wondering, is it worse? Right? Like, I I remember I growing know. up. I think, if memory serves, I might be wrong about this. You have probably a better mind as a reporter than I have as like a knucklehead talk show host. But <laughs> I believe that one time that. way back when didn't Gretzky get like a beer dumped on him and then the NHL. Yeah. I mean this is twenty five years ago. Yeah. The NHL started to put roofs, tents basically, over the tunnel that yeah. the visiting team would walk in and out of to go back to their dressing room. And look, there was the Malice, of the Palace. I yeah. remember being like nine years old and watching the Bruins scale the glass and yeah. go into the crowd at Madison Square Garden, and Terry O'Reilly beat a guy with his own shoe. Yeah. So maybe now there's more accountability because we, everybody's got a camera in their hand. There are cameras all over these arenas. Yep. Maybe the players now feel a little bit more emboldened to hold fans accountable for how they act. As, I guess my question is, is it worse now than it was, or are we now catching more of it with technology, and maybe we're now at a point where the players, and rightfully so, are holding people more accountable for how they act at these games? Well, I think, number one, you bring up Malice at the Palace and, and the
1: hockey situation. Good on the players for not... Going into the state, right? I mean, like right. you're only going to make it worse, Correct. and you're only going to put yourself at greater risk if you do that. So, so good for them for handling it the way they're handling it—a very difficult situation. But I mean, is it worse? Like, I don't. I mean, we could get into a whole discussion about like the world and our country right now, and and how much anger there is, and how and how upset people are, and how justified people feel in being angry and upset, and the way that they're. They're venting it. I mean, all you have to do is watch the non-sports news for five minutes, and you see it's all about people being angry. So is that carrying over into the sports arenas? I mean, people you know from having been in a million games like I have that people who go to these games feel like, to a certain extent, the ticket, the purchase of the ticket
0: gives them the right to act You know, and they also feel like there's that third wall. Yeah, right. Like the players are not going to come into the stands after me. Now, could you imagine walking down Fifth Avenue, Russell Westbrook's walking the other way? You've got a box of popcorn and you chuck it in his face. That's what he said. Or Kyrie Irving is walking down Broadway and you see him from ten feet away and decide I'm going to chuck a water bottle at him. Obviously, no one would ever, ever, ever do that because I would expect that that large. Much yeah. stronger than me, man would turn around and pound me if I did that. Somehow, fans think there's this wall in between right. them and the players at an arena that that doesn't necessarily exist, as we saw with the Malice of the Palace. Right. So,
1: I mean, what, what I understand is how that translates into well, I can do whatever I want, right? Like, I mean, that that, that it, it, you're not watching them on television. Right? like they're right. there in front of you yes. like like you recognize that there's a difference between if you between spit that. at
0: them they spit actually might right. land on them
1: so like so i i mean i guess the players are entitled to feel the same way right as the fans do that that third wall should work both ways yep. right and so i think we're getting to a point where you know is it worse i don't know the players are speaking out about it they're calling it out the, the incident in utah was not you know caught on camera that was brought up by players right they were they were they were talking about what happened to them and their own experience and that of their families. So, again, good for them for, for handling it this way as opposed to escalating it and putting themselves in greater danger by going into the stands. But um, if it continues to be an issue, I think we get to a point where it escalates to where the players have to, to, talk, to them, talk to each other and say, do we have to take action? Right, here?
0: Like Boston always had the reputation yeah. as having racism towards the players come from the fans. But in the 80s and the 90s, we were growing up, It was probably every bit, if not more prevalent then than it is now. Players players didn't talk about it. They just ate it, right? Like, they almost looked at it as this is kind of like the cost of doing business. I'm going to go to this racist town, and I'm going to play, and I'm going to hear something come my way from the fans. Now it seems like, and maybe this is more a part of what we're talking about – there's a different consciousness and a different feeling among the players. Like, I've got the right now to call it out.
1: And the ability, right? I mean, because there's so many more ways for the players to get their message out True. than there were in the 80s and 90s, right? So, yeah, I think there's that, too. And, I, I mean, this is a, this is a generation and a group of players that, to its credit, understands that, right? Hey, we do have the ability to, to affect change, to, you know, to, to stand up for ourselves on a level that maybe some of our predecessors didn't feel comfortable doing whether they should or shouldn't have. So, yeah, I, I don't, it's not going away. And, and uh, look, I mean, we're kidding ourselves to think this is not going to happen again, right? So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, eventually, I think the players are going to say we've had enough.
0: That's Dan Graziano. I'm Bob Weschusen. In for KJZ. That's the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And, again, KJZ is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, including we've got an NBA, the best insider out there, Woj. He's coming up at 810. i got to tell you. For a Memorial Day morning, where yeah. I felt like you and I were the only two human beings driving into Manhattan this not morning, not a lot of traffic. We we got guests, oh yeah, galore man. on this show. People we got, want to talk to us. Oh my God, we got PJ coming up at the bottom of the hour. PJ Carlissimo. We got Woj. He's mm-hmm. coming up in the next hour. Monica McNutt is going to join us. Pam Shriver is going to join us later to talk about the Naomi Osaka story, yeah. which is an interesting story in terms of player accountability with the media. And we got we have more guests than that. So, like, I'm really very impressed that they convinced people to get up with two schlunks like us. I figured we were working we because it's a holiday and they knew they could make us do
1: this. Our popularity.
0: <laughs> I, think, I, I am. think. Look at Jeremy Fowler coming that. up in yeah. the next hour to talk uh, NFL. And you know what? Before we get to some telephone calls coming up at 888, say ESPN 888 3776, we're going to get to the NBA games. We are going to talk about the games and the players and the athletes at some point. It's just that the idiot fan uh, <laughs> things that keep happening compel us to lead off there because it's such a big topic. Another huge topic, though, which I want to get in with you because you are as good an NFL guy as there is. Why is June 1st so important and what is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers because of it? All right, Dan's going to explain that after we have this From O'Reilly Auto Parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts is here to keep your car on the road with the right parts. Advice from their professional parts people and their free loaner tool program. There's no need to purchase a tool if you're only going to use it once. So your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store has more than 80 specialty tools available to rent for your next repair. Refundable deposit required at the time of rental. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today and ask about their free loaner tool program or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. What will June 1st mean? To Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones, your favorite NFL team, and Dan Graziano obviously is going to explain all that, and we come right back. Bob Washusen and Dan Graziano in for KJZ on ESPN Radio, ESPN. Plus.
3: Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Let's take Stump in New York real quick, Stump. This is one of the best shows in the history of um, television. Thank you. Brother. So, you know, you got KJZ. Y'all hear that out there, bosses? Yeah.
0: Market Madness brought to you by Indeed. Hiring, start finding the right people right away. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Now, Market Madness is going to take Memorial Day off. T.Y. Hilton was no match for Giannis. We'll find out what happens tomorrow between Yadi Molina and Penny Hardaway in the uh, Sweet 16 of the One Name Wonders region. But uh, right now, we got a million other things to talk about. 888 espn Triple Eight Seven Two Nine Three Seven Seven Six 888-729-3776, KJZ, the guys have... Memorial Day off. Bob Schus and, and Dan Graziano sitting in, and I, we're going to get to a call, I think, for a moment about what we were just talking about, which is why we keep having fan incidents and why it continues to be the number one topic rather than the games. I think we've got D in New York who may want to uh, chime in here on KJZ on ESPN Radio, ESPN Two. What's up, D? We got other things to talk about. Oh, like D. I mean, the cardinal sin of talk radio is having the radio on in the background when we go to your call. Is D there? Did D realize he's got to turn the radio off? I ah, All right, let's try Brooklyn. Jay is there. Jay is going to join us here on ESPN Radio. Hey, Jay.
3: Peace, peace to all my Moors and Muslims across the world. How y'all doing this, Rod? Good. All is well? All right. Um, I just wanted to get to the topic at hand. I think uh what's going on? I just came from Boston about a week ago, and me being an Asiatic a man of color uh I didn't feel no type of uh racism at all or anything up there, and I just think that it's just people's personal emotion, you know, and we can't allow just one person to- um to to spoil it for everybody, you know I think what it is is the penalty for these charges of doing this to these professional athletes, because you can't come up to your studio and throw popcorn on you or water on yourself or anything like that. Or if any one of your colleagues were to do that, they'll be fired. So um, what I would suggest is that the uh, league need to step it up in regards to security. And if this person, um, Decides to do any type of violation towards any player, any official, anybody that's in the stands who can't play nice in the sandbox, they need to take their butt to, uh, to jail or to hit them with a fine and alleviate them from any sporting event. Not just basketball, but any. But here it is. People will say, well, how can you do that,
0: you know, with the face recognition? I don't think anybody's saying how you can do that. Like, isn't that what's happening with all of these fans? They're being arrested. They're being banned from these buildings forever.
1: Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, look, we're we're, we're talking about fan behavior because it's a story. But the other reason is we're talking about it from the perspective of the players who are are fed up. Right? I mean, Kyrie Irving is bringing this up. And you talk about – you know how you feel in terms of racism in Boston he talks about how he feels about it those are divergent perspectives and they're obviously different from you know the one that Bob and I would have certainly and I would never put myself uh, in your shoes or in Kyrie's but if if this is how he's feeling um then I think it deserves to be talked about i mean the, the, these players and their experiences in their league and in their world is is a, is a part of the story without a doubt and i think that's that's the thing to keep in mind if they don't feel safe at work, then you know that's that's a story. We have to talk about it, and it could lead to something down the road that affects the way we all enjoy these
0: yeah, games. And look, obviously the two of us are not going to firsthand say we've experienced racism in Boston not. or any other arena because we're white. Right. Yes, if John ja Morant's family, as an African American family, says this is my experience, if Kyrie Irving as an African American says this is my experience. Then I have to take him at his word that that's his of course i'm not going to have experienced that firsthand
1: well it'd be insulting to to them for for me to to assume that uh you know oh that's not everyone's i mean look this is what he's dealing with right I, why would he be talking about it otherwise like it's not it's not fun it's not pleasant to talk about I'm sure he's not enjoying it so yeah i i think I think the caller's absolutely right about the way the leagues and the arenas have to take action, and I think they're doing that. But I think the bigger picture issue here is if this continues to happen every night, then the players are going to start to feel like it's happening everywhere, it's happening all the time, and I can't go to work and play basketball and feel safe. And that has the potential to be a major issue. Yeah,
0: P.J. Carlissimo coached in this league for a long time. He was on the call of Suns Lakers. we got a lot to talk about with him. He's coming up. At the bottom of the hour, just a few minutes from now. But I did the professional radio tease. And look, you know, like I'm very forgetful. I'm an idiot sometimes. But I do remember that I need to ask you about June 1st. Yes. Because you are as dialed into this as anyone. So for Dan Graziano, NFL insider at ESPN, someone who understands exactly what's going on for all the NFL fans out there, wondering why we keep hearing about June 1st. Tell the fans why it's very important what's going to happen this week.
1: Because of the salary cap. if you it, Fans have heard about a post-June 1st release, right? You cut a guy in March and you designate him a post-June 1st release. That gets you salary cap relief because you're able to spread the dead money hit. Dead money is what's left on the guy's signing bonus when you cut him or trade him. You're able to spread that out over this year and next year as opposed to taking the whole hit on this year's cap. Similar thing happens with a trade, except you can't do it until after June 1st. Uh, but, so, for example, in the case of Julio Jones, if the Falcons were to trade Julio Jones today, that trade would result in a $23.25 million dead money hit on this year's salary cap. If they wait till Wednesday, after June 1st, then he only hits their cap for $7.75 million this year. They've got to take the rest of the hit next year, but... It enables them to clear the cap room they need, which is the reason they're trading him in the first place. So, similar deal with Aaron Rodgers. The numbers are different, they're bigger. He's a quarterback. But um, yeah, that's why post June 1st is important. And that's why when's Julio Jones going to get traded? It can't happen until Wednesday at the earliest.
0: Okay. The important jumping off point that that creates, though, is is Julio Jones going to get traded? Is Aaron Rodgers going to get traded? Don't answer that. Oh, that's another professional radio tease. We've got PJ coming up in a sec. But later on, if you're a fan of the Packers, you're a fan of the Falcons, or you're a fan of any of the teams you think one of those two guys might go to, we're going to talk to Dan and look at the odds of where they may end up a little bit later on in the show. But coming up, we are going to talk about why two players can absolutely control the Suns-Lakers series. Neither is named LeBron. And PJ Carlisimo is going to weigh in on that coming up in just a moment after I tell you about Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry 24 7 support, free access to product specialists and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click granger.com, or just stop by. With Dan Graziano, I'm Bob Wischusen. We're in for KJZ, and we're coming right back. Talk to PJ Carlissimo on ESPN Radio and ESPN2.
4: Davis who's struggling. He's shaking his head. John. He does not look to no. me like he's comfortable with that. I think the left gate and he goes down and he's grabbing his left groin area. Ad's still in the backcourt on the floor.
3: This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do
2: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: As I continue to prove that I am absolutely fraudulent as a legitimate talk show host, I forgot to do the read. Sports (laughs) Center is brought to you by Goodyear. Goodyear knows from here on out every game. It's a chance to create momentum, to make the right pass, the right move, hit the perfect shot. It takes momentum to get through the playoffs, and it takes everything to capture a title. Goodyear more driven. Guests join us on the Goodyear hotline here on KJZ, and it is presented by Progressive Insurance. Bob Oshusen, Dan Graziano. We're going to get into the football coming up a little bit later on. Again, Dan is going to handicap where the Julio, uh, Julios and Aarons of the world are going to end up because we might find out this week, <laughs> might get some clarity. We will see, but... 888 say ESPN's the telephone number, 888-729-3776. We'll get back to the phones in a sec, but P.J. Carlissimo is kind enough to join us now here on the Goodyear Hotline on KJZ. And, you know, Coach, we talked a couple of days ago about the games, and the games is what we all want to talk about, and yet here we are again talking about a fan incident of a water bottle zinging past the ear of Kyrie Irving, and he turned around and almost went after a fan in the crowd at Boston. You, you've been in the NBA basically your whole life, I and mean, since the early 90s you have been a coach or an analyst in this league. Lend some perspective for us. like Has it always been this bad when you were coaching? Did players talk about this kind of stuff happening? We're just more conscious about it now, or do we have a real legit problem with the fans coming after the players in a way that that was not the case before?
4: Well, I it. There's always been an issue, uh, and and the players would talk about it, but I think the feeling was it, it was more isolated. It wasn't like it happened every night. There might have been some cities where you would expect it or see it more. Uh, I think what, I hate to say it, but what's changed a little bit is with the cameras and the scrutiny and the the phones, you know, the devices and everything, you don't get away with it now. I think people may have gotten away with it more Uh, back when I first started in the league. And, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it happened every night. and uh, Who did that? But uh, to say that this is the first time it's happening is is not accurate. Um, The players would talk about it. As I said, whether it's fair or not, there was a feeling there were more cities where it it might happen. But it wasn't a regular occurrence, and it was more verbal. I really don't remember too much of – the arenas where you have to walk through a tunnel or underneath, yeah, you, there could be deer coming down every once in a while, or it would probably be but I don't think to the extent that it's happening now, but I do think convoluted logic, but the only good thing now is no one's getting away with it. When somebody does something, uh, it's seen And usually you can identify the person and deal with the person.
0: Yeah, you're right. There's cameras everywhere. What I'm also wondering is, because, again, you've been in the league forever around players, coach these players. Do the players feel more empowered? And I think rightfully so in this day and age to say something about it, to point it out. Like, did guys maybe in the 80s, 90s, guys that you coached, did they just look at it as the cost of doing business and they would just kind of eat the abuse and say, oh, that's what we have to deal with from fans? And now the guys today just don't do that, that they're going to be a little bit more, hey, Like, I don't have to take that, and I'm going to talk about it.
4: I I think there's an element of truth to that for sure. I think the players um, are much more comfortable being outspoken and, and, uh, you know, commenting on what's going on. Uh, That's obviously a bigger sociological uh, issue. But, yeah, I I, I think there's an element of that. I, I don't think players were scared. Uh, to say anything, uh, I, think you, I think you referenced it before by saying that that was more the, the cost. You know, you were yelled at in different arenas. You knew when you were on the road you were going to be abused a little bit. You knew it would be worse in the playoffs, um, the things that were being said. But, again, not to the extent – I mean, the frequency – But is that our fourth incident and we're like barely our second week yes. into the playoffs? No. Now, well, Not with near the frequency now. And, and I – I, I couldn't even venture a guess as to why. I, I don't know whether the fact that fans weren't in any arenas at all until just a couple of weeks ago, and now all of a sudden being back in arenas, why why would that cause them to, you know, behave any worse or behave the way they're behaving? I, I don't understand it. I don't see it.
1: You know, based on the, uh, the conversations you have with people in the league, and I'm sure you talk to people in the league, and you talk to players all the time. Uh, what what's the level of concern here big picture wise I mean this it's gone beyond isolated incidents at this point like wh- wh- how does the league view this in terms of where it all might be headed and what they have to do about it
4: I can't speak for the league but I would imagine they are as angry and as disappointed as you can be with what's happening there's absolutely no question that The players are concerned, uh, you know, for their safety. Frankly, now you know it's one bad enough uh, throwing popcorn or spitting, which is you know inexcusable. Now we've, we've talk, we're talking to an instance where you know they're throwing things where somebody might get hurt. Yeah. So there's no question the players uh, want to feel when they when they go into an arena, a that they're going to be protected and b that something like this can happen. Now you know, marshalling uh, enough people uh, to, to watch 15,000 people is going to be a challenge. I, I would like to continue to say these are isolated incidents, but it gets a little harder uh, every, every day you wake up. And uh, as many games as we've had, and we've had these incidents, you just shake your head. But no question how concerned the players are. I can't imagine Adam Silver and the people in the league office, and and Michelle and the, and the people in the Players Association uh, aren't as upset and disappointed as you can be. But to, you know, get the twenty nine arenas in the league. I mean, they're just. I'm sure they're ratcheting up security. They're gonna. You know, we may see more rules of what you, you know what you can sell and all that. I, I don't. know. I don't know where we're going, but uh, it's. It's nowhere that anybody wants to go. I can guarantee you that.
1: Yeah, it's not the kind of thing we love to, to spend all this time talking about either. We have to. It's, it's a big story. But uh, unfortunately, the issue is probably not going anywhere anytime soon. So in the meantime, let's pivot to the games. Lakers, Suns, yesterday. How concerned should the Lakers be right now, given the, the situation with the health?
4: well uh, the answer is as concerned as Anthony Davis's injuries are uh they should be major concern first of all they're playing an excellent team that was damaged you know it's not lost in the shuffle but i mean you know Chris Paul's injury significantly impaired Phoenix uh you know from from when that happened in game 1 so you know they haven't seen the same Phoenix that was that was here all year. Uh, I'm really surprised he was able to play as well as he played yesterday, and that alone would be cause for concern. AD, obviously, and it wasn't just the second injury that I'm watching from, you know, like you guys are, 3,000 miles away. Um, he didn't look good before uh, that groin injury, if that was what occurred late in the half. Uh, he just has not looked 100%. Uh, now, not being 100%, he's still capable of playing extremely well. Uh, And LeBron is not 100%. He's still LeBron James. He's still capable of amazing things. So I I would think the Lakers would be very, very concerned. Uh, And what what they're going to announce, I don't know that they'll announce anything today, but we'll see on Tuesday night. And unfortunately for the Lakers, the series is bang, bang, bang. It's Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday, I believe. So there's not going to be any rest. Like if, if, If he's able to play at all, and how much he plays it's gonna be one day and travel and you know good it's not a long trip but it's really going to be challenging it would have been challenging at a hundred percent for the lakers um to beat phoenix you know i'm be, trying to be respectful to phoenix could the lakers be favored if they're 100 percent healthy yes but they're not 100 percent healthy and they weren't when this series started so
1: all right that's talking about this series but we're used to seeing LeBron James do incredible things, and, and no one would be surprised if he somehow found a way to win this series, right, two more games. But then they have to win three more. Like, how do you, how do you size up the Western Conference in light of what you've seen from the Lakers through three games in terms of their, their physical health?
4: Well, I've said all along, if the Lakers are healthy – I still think they are the best team in the Western Conference. They have not been healthy in a long time. And I, admit, you know, let's be realistic. You need the other players, uh, but you see what what happens when you have to count on them to carry you. Uh, it's just not realistic. They need LeBron to be, if not a hundred percent, pretty close to it for this grind that they're going to go through if they could advance, and they need Anthony Davis to be the same. Um, you know, right now we're all reacting to the injury and. You know, if we had had talked yesterday before the game, I would have said there's no way Chris Paul can play at a really high level. He hasn't looked even close to being healthy or able to play like Chris Paul, and he comes out and played, you know, very much like Chris Paul and and was the difference. That team is so night and day different when Chris Paul is reasonably healthy and when he's not. Uh, That's squared for the Lakers. Uh, They're – I don't think going anywhere without a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I just, I just don't think it's possible.
0: P.J. Carlissimo joining us on the Goodyear Hotline here on KJZ. Bob Waschusen and Dan Graziano in for the guys. All right, you know, P.J., it's amazing when you think about not only the series you're calling and how everything is flipped. That's based on injury. We don't really have injuries to talk about with Dallas and the Clippers. And yet on Friday, I was hosted a show with Bart Scott. You came on. We were talking about maybe Kawhi's going to end up in New York because they're going to have to blow that whole thing up because it's such a disaster. And all of a sudden now, Sunday night, at like 10 o'clock at night, we're like, oh, my God, the, the, the Clippers not only will have flipped the script this weekend, the way they're playing right now, Dallas might not get another game. But if you're a Mavericks fan and you've watched what you saw this weekend, what would you be thinking?
4: I'd be thinking similar to what we just talked about, uh, if Luka Doncic is not close to 100%, then that series is over. Uh, You know, I I was not aware of that injury. I'm watching late, and all of a sudden, you know, when he comes out at halftime and he's got the wraps and the packs on his neck, you just shake your head. Uh, I thought it was going to be a very, very competitive series. I think it still may. I I don't care that they were able to – you know, step up, ratchet it up, play really well. They're two stars, played extremely well. Games one and two were not that long ago. So it's, that series is far from over. But a healthy Luka Doncic uh, can give Dallas a real opportunity to win the series. Again, he needs to do special, special things. That's just not fair to anybody in this league. But, like, you kind of look at it and say, well, Luka's got to get at least 35 and he's got to have double-digit assists for Dallas to have a chance. I mean, it's ridiculous to say something like that against, you know, a team that's a good defensive team and has two of the best uh, wing or perimeter defenders in the entire NBA. But that's reality for the Dallas Mavericks.
0: Yeah, watching them play defense, though, the last couple of games, they look totally different. It's funny because they all said, hey, we're good. We're going to go to Dallas, and we're good. And, of course, everybody said, you're lying. <laughs> right? nobody, nobody comes back from losing the first two games at home and then win a series. But they looked like they flipped a defensive switch in the last couple of games that I didn't know that they could flip the way they did. Do you agree with that?
4: Well, I don't think anybody knew other than the players themselves. I think there was a lot of skepticism. I mean, again – wasn't that long ago, and it wasn't just that they lost or not like they got beat on the last shot of the game and they outplayed the Mavs the whole game, and uh, bad luck, we lost. They looked like they were badly outplayed. They looked like they were listless, and most importantly, which you just referenced, they weren't defending the way they're capable of defending. That, you know, that's not a good – that's an excellent defensive team when they play like that. That's the thing about the Lakers, too – uh, the Lakers' defense is so good, it can keep them in games. But but I don't know if they can win, you know, four games out of seven against the caliber of opposition they're going to face. There's, there's no there's no easy series at all in the West, even remotely close, and particularly when you start, you know, from the seventh slot that the Lakers are going to have to do. But um, defense is amazing in the playoffs. You can really lock in on a team you know, Danny sees that more where you get a, a week to get ready for a team and you know you make adjustments, you can do some things. Normally in the NBA, you don't see that because the games come so quickly, especially in a season like this one. But this is more like college basketball where you have days to get ready and you can really zero in on an opponent. So it's harder to score and it's a real advantage for defense during the playoffs.
1: That may, one more before we let you go, Coach, that may lead into uh, the next question, which is uh, are, are, how surprised are you by how bad the Knicks have looked?
4: I'm very surprised. I thought that was, it still may be. I thought it was going to be a great series. I thought that was a classic four or five, two teams playing as well as anybody. The last month of the season, uh, they, they were both playing at a really high level. Um, they they both had young Superstars or budding superstars. Um, I I didn't think Julius Randle would struggle the way he has. I didn't think the Knicks as a team would struggle defensively the way they have. Uh, So, you know, I'm surprised. Uh, Hats off to Trey Young, Nate McMillan, that entire team, the the way they're playing. I didn't see that coming at all. And that's one of the few uh, where injuries, to me, the biggest story so far has been injuries. I mean, you got teams like Boston, Jalen Brown, you know, was out before we even started. There's a number of really elite players in the league that were out before we started this. Already we've had in a ton of injuries uh, for how few teams are still playing and the injuries that have impact. I mean, last night, Boston, you got Jalen's in street, close, Kemba Walker, and Rob Williams can't play. That's not unusual. Maybe they're the hardest hit, but virtually every team in the league has somebody that's either out or guys are dinged up and can't go, and we're just starting the playoffs. I, I hate to think it's only going to get worse, but I, but given what's happened so far, you would think it's likely we're going to see more injuries.
0: Coach, thanks a million for the time. We appreciate it. Appreciate being with you guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for getting up early on Memorial Day. P.J. Carlissimo, ESPN Radio NBA analyst on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. All right, we're going to get to some football right now real quick, but we're going to get back to your telephone calls coming up as well. 888 espn Triple eight, seven two nine, three seven seven six. 3776 More Knicks coming up. Seth Greenberg in the next hour. Jeremy Fowler is going to join us in the next hour to talk some NFL as well. But with Dan, we've got some over-unders here. Interesting because you talked about June 1st and how it could impact Aaron Rodgers where he ends up, Julio Jones where he ends up. How about some over-unders real quick on Aaron Rodgers? Here is where, right now, DraftKings has Aaron Rodgers slated to go betting-wise. They still have the Packers at minus 125 as the favorite for where he will be on opening day. But then the next three teams on the list, the Broncos at plus 200, the Raiders at plus 500, the Saints at plus 900, and then the Dolphins, the Washington football team, down the list at plus 1,400, and the L.A. Chargers, which to me that doesn't make any sense. It does not. At plus 4,000. They're off the list. The other teams, though, I think you can make an argument that there is a scenario where he could end up in any of those places based on what those teams have at quarterback. So give me your thoughts on that list and where you think he might end up.
1: So we were looking at this right before the show, and it, it was like where will he play week one? But I think what you have to consider is the possibility that he's still on the Packers roster week one, but not playing right. Like he could sit out again. He, he might be so dug in on his desire to not play for them that he's willing to sit out training camp and sit out regular season games. Now, the Packers right now are not motivated to trade him. They still think they can patch it up so they don't have to change their minds on that unless and until they're convinced he's really not going to play hey, man, you know, we can keep your $14.7 million salary. We can claw back your $6.8 million roster bonus. We might be able to go after your signing bonus from your contract you signed three years ago, and that could benefit us, the Green Bay Packers, financially uh, if if you just decide to retire like Carson Palmer did once upon a time when he didn't want to play for the Bengals anymore. So I think right now as we sit here, The Packers have to be the favorite because it's either he comes back and plays for them or he sits out. And I think it's going to take a while for Green Bay to get to a point where it feels like they
0: have to trade him. So you don't think June 1st matters nearly as much to Aaron Rodgers as maybe it does to Julio Jones or some of these other players. This is much more of a Hatfields and McCoys and we're here for a while.
1: No, and and, uh, even beyond that, it's. Atlanta's motivated to trade Julio Jones. Atlanta doesn't have the salary cap space right now to sign its draft picks. None of the, pick, none of the guys they picked in, in last month's draft are under contract, and it's because they can't afford it. So they have to clear cap space, and the only ways they can do it are restructuring Grady Jarrett's contract, which they don't want to do. It creates a problem next year and beyond. Restructuring Julio's contract, same, or trading him. And that's by far the best option, especially when you consider they have another first-round receiver in Calvin Ridley, who's young, and they just drafted Kyle Pitts, who's going to be, in their estimation, a huge weapon for them in the passing game. So they feel like they have him replaced uh, and they need the cap space. So, yeah, very different situation from the Packers, who still want Aaron Rodgers to be on their team this year and still think they can find a way to work it out.
0: So you agree with the odds, then, that minus 125 is definitely the favorite? Yes. At least in terms of uh, you, you're right, like the semantics or the technicality of whose team is he on and is he playing, but you like him to still be a Packer. Because but, but,
1: right now, there's, something would have to change in terms of the Packers' mindset. Right now, their mindset is they want him back, and they think he can get. And when you call the Packers to ask about a trade, they're telling you, no, we're not trading him. So that would have to change. Whereas if you call the Falcons about Julio Jones, they're like, <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> like, right. let's talk. Like, we we have to do it. And uh, and yeah, post June first. Everybody, June first. We've been talking about June first for months. It's tomorrow. Like the, the Julio Jones thing. The, the the rubber meets the road at some point, possibly later this week. Whereas I think
0: the Aaron Rodgers drags on into the summer. Well, we got Jeremy Fowler coming up next hour to talk about this. We have a minute, a minute left before we have to take a break. What do you think the breaking point is for? Green Bay then. I mean, what, like at what point do they finally say all right, we're trading him? I think training camp. I think if he misses mandatory mini camp next
1: week and gets fined for that that's a, that's a red flag for them. But if he starts missing weeks and weeks of training camp, that's when I think they have to take him seriously in terms of, I don't want to play for you, I'm willing to stay home, or in Hawaii, or wherever, or host Jeopardy, whatever else I'm doing that has been a lot of fun this offseason. But I think if he, you're in the middle of training camp and you still haven't seen him, they have to change their minds.
0: That's Dan Graziano, knows the NFL inside and out, obviously. One of our senior NFL insiders. I'm Bob Wischusen, just hosting a show here for KJZ on Memorial Day. An outstanding job. Yeah, bro. I'm trying, you know. I'm happy to be here with you. I (laughs) got to pump him up. We got Seth Greenberg coming up next hour to continue to talk about the NBA. We got Jeremy Fowler coming up to talk about the NFL as well. The NBA's biggest concern as the playoffs continue. That is coming up next. KJZ on ESPN Radio, ESPN 2.